when the dice have all been tucked away, but there's still more beer to drink. It's time for a postcast. Wherein the players chat about role playing, about podcasts, about private jokes, about this and or that. In tonight's postcast, you can hear the exhaustion competing with the nostalgia in the voices of Scott Sharplin and Jason Galinsky. So, I want to talk, and I think that you're a good person to talk to about what actually motivates us to play Dungeons and Dragons or to play RPGs. Um, I, 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 I'm trying to put words around that elusive spark that uh, keeps me coming back to it decade after decade. And I thought it would be helpful to go back in time and try to reconstruct that period in our mm-hmm. lives where we, where, where we fell so hard for it. So, uh, but my memory is faulty and your memory is faulty and it's pandemic time. So everybody's brain is extra mm, foggy. True. I don't know how much, how much we can reconstruct of it. I don't, I don't even know how old I was. We tried to work that out once. And so we, I think we got in sort of a window of like between nine yeah. and 11. I or moved something. to California for grade seven. So, so you were going into six okay. was what I moved was the summer before that. Uh, which right, going into six would have been eighty-five. Would have made me eleven, I think. Ten, ten going on about 11. right, and then so, and I think we knew each other about a year before that, maybe a bit more. Sure, yeah. So during that year, but towards the end of it, I recall, as your house was being mm-hmm. packed up into boxes for the yeah. move. You took me into a, a secret room that you'd constructed using cardboard boxes. It was down the stairs, kind of under the stairs almost. I could be getting that wrong, but it was definitely a kid-sized space that you'd created uh, by moving boxes around. And it was in that uh, secret chamber that you showed me your brother's all his all his books. books yes the boxes were so omnipresent at that point i don't remember that particular setup of them but i do remember we used them multiple mm-hmm. times whether it was with with D or with the gi joes or or the um mm-hmm. you would all mm-hmm. the all the at least from my point of view you would all the star wars figures um I had I had a lot of action yeah. figures and and I was I was still pretty into them yeah. at that age, um, but I think I think that was a, a sea change for me as well when uh, when I fell for D and D I kind of I started to leave that stuff behind. Yeah. Well, to to jump um, completely out of linear series on that, but just <laughs> sort of from sort sure. of from what you said sure. there, uh, that mm. immediately brought up some images of some of the gaming we did. 
uh, is your parents would take you down to Palm Springs and sometimes I would end up out there mm-hmm. with, with my parents and visiting. And I just had mm-hmm. images of using the poor soon to be rusted on the inside action figures in the pool to do, to do uh, yeah. uh, storytelling. Yeah. I do remember the pool in Palm Springs. You had to have a swimming pool in Palm Springs because yeah. there was no beach. Probably no, I hope isn't. not for their sake. Yeah, yeah. But 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 to my mind, it was about leaving behind the need for props. Although D&D is still a props-heavy game if you want it to be. Uh, it was the discovery, the realization in looking at these books that I could make mm-hmm. stories up uh, if I had if I had a willing uh, accomplice, I could make stories up without any action figures. I think that was very key to it. Uh, it really was about the ability to tell a story, to tell a narrative, to create a bit of a world, um, to be able to have a little bit of control over a world at a time when at a time when well, you're sure. a kid and your parents are telling you no about things and um, just yeah. have the ability to create your own freedom how, how did you feel about the move uh at that time was it um like from my perspective it totally sucked that i just met this cool kid and now he was moving away um were you did you feel like it was a point in your life where you were out of control mm, very much so like i they may have asked me if i wanted to move whatever i said would have been irrelevant i'm sure um <laughs> And I don't remember that moment if it did happen. Um, That might have been something my mother might have asked me, but that's probably not, not, my father would not, it would not have occurred to him to check to see if I was interested. Um, But uh, no, in in short, I I did not want to move. I did not want to, I I didn't want to change schools, although I was going to have to change schools anyways, because I was going from elementary into junior high and would have had to have gone Right across the fence. Right, but that's still not the, yeah, not the same kind of. Uh, yeah. um, I had visited a, uh, a lot at, when I was younger, so it yeah. like it yeah. wasn't it wasn't a terrifying unknown, but it was an unlooked for change. And had you discovered your? brothers D&D books uh prior mm. to that uh a good uh, yeah good number of years uh, earlier actually and there's, oh, okay there's a moment he recalls it differently i.e he does i.e he doesn't remember it at all um okay. in the <laughs> farm just north of calgary i would have been this may have been grade one or two uh maybe th- uh no grade three i was in edmonton by that point um so it was grade okay one or two my brother was in his room in the basement um so he was probably he would have been graduated or just about to graduate um at that point okay uh, with his friends playing dungeons and playing dungeons and dragons or painting figurines on the pool table or something like that but they were they were doing D &D things and i wanted to be part of it and of course and i gather I gather that's how an awful lot of D and D players uh, get introduced mm-hmm. to the game. <laughs> we weirdly uh, through overhearing their older siblings yeah. playing it. Uh, that's that's how Sheila 
uh, encountered it first right. when she heard her uh, brother Kelly playing it. No, he was at that point. He was actually playing the original, like the the brown soft books. Really, the brown books. Yeah. Do you remember yeah. them? Yeah, I remember them specifically. Um, he he oh, was okay. he picked it up within a year or two of it being yeah. uh, published. Mm-hmm. Um, he was he he was one of one of the early players. And that's like seventy four. That's that's the same year right. I was born. Was the year the Brown Book came out. So yeah, that tracks. He would have been just entering yeah. adolescence, and he uh, yeah he stumbled upon it. Back then, of course, there were no gaming shops. There weren't even in comic shops. I I have a vague vague memory of a a kiosk closet sized shop in Edmonton. It was in a mall, but like in a basement mm. mall. You know, Edmonton had malls like everywhere. Uh, and I remember they had rows and rows of multicolored dice there. So it must have been some kind of hobby yeah. shop. But 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 even well into the nineties, if you went to West Edmonton Mall to get D and D supplies, you had to go to a bookstore kites and, or kites and other maybe delights. kites. Kites and other delights. Yeah, you got uh, you get the the miniatures yeah. there and the horrible oil paints that you used to paint them, but actual like modules and stuff they were yeah. hard to find. Yeah, when I don't yeah. remember the year, what was the year? Um, keep on keep on the Borderlands. That's the one. Keep on the Borderlands. What year? What year was that one? Oh, I bet Google could tell us. Um, I, I'm going to guess 1981. Part of the reason why I'm wondering... 80, 79. Because I have a feeling that that's what my brother was and his friends were playing. Yeah. And since they, since they had to... Yeah. Since I had to join his mom's head, they immediately killed me off and I was done. And they kicked me out. Oh! Yeah. Classic. Like, oh, you miss. Oh, the goblin hits you. How much damage? Oh. And I... Obviously, it made an impression. I don't know how. I don't know how yeah. my memory is, but I think it's pretty good on that one. I mentioned it. Mentioned. Yeah. 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 Oh, yes. Let's get rid of the little brother. Wow. So, so in addition to the urge to create uh, a, a world and a story over which one has control, there's also maybe a little bit of of spite gaming, uh, a, a little bit of. A vengeance gaming in you to to get back at the at the brother who killed you off I don't that time. Think so. I, I, is I <laughs> like my uh, uh, my core being certainly at that point wasn't ve- wasn't very um, vindictive or anything like that. Um, I th- uh, fair enough. You're, you're I think it would soul. have been much more a um, well. Fine, I can find someone too. So ah, there might be a, and, and there, there might f- be a little bit of vindictiveness in that, but it wasn't against; it was for me. Right. Yeah. Now this is a question that the answer to which might might actually hurt me deeply, but I have to ask: <laughs> in that span of time between getting killed in your brother's game and showing me the monster manual in that uh, cardboard cave, did you find other? players was i was i oh my 
Well, <laughs> you can be honest. Uh, I, I, <laughs> Heather and Heather's father were the first. You were not. Oh, you were not. No, Heather and yeah. Heather's father. Yeah. I, All right. Well, the if if we're being if we're tiptoeing around a a, a sexual metaphor, it's going to break down as soon as you bring Heather's, it's Heather's father into it. Who was Heather? Uh, I knew her in grade three or four, maybe five. Okay. Um, okay. It was someone I just knew from St. Paul's, and somehow we ended up talking about it, and her father played and got her okay. to play Real. at a really young age. Okay. So, so she, and okay. Um, at some point, we're, I have no recollection of the conversations that led to it, but at some point, my parents just dropped me off at Heather and Heather's house, and I played yeah. maybe only four or five times that I can remember, but like sort of halfway through mm-hmm. a module. Um, mm-hmm. With Dad yeah. DMing? Yeah. So Dad would yeah. have been, I have no idea. I've no, everyone was old at that age, if they weren't my age. Mm. Right, sure, he was, yeah. he was Dad age. Uh, yeah, yeah. Wow, cool. What do you do? You remember anything about the game? Um, I remember forests and elves, so nothing that doesn't fit the <laughs> that doesn't fit the stereotype. Um, right. No, I don't remember much of the game. Um, I do remember it was one of the first times I saw someone take a lot of effort. I guess this is about the only thing I, I really remember. The first time I remember seeing someone take a lot of effort with graph paper. Of which you were the second. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. Uh, well, I never thought of myself as a, a big graph paper dude, but there's I suppose... A bunch of, there's a bunch of maps in those uh, early stories. No, you're right, you're right, you're right. And when I got into, like, the, 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 the fallow periods between mm-hmm. the summers where we could visit each other, when I was spending all my spare time... Uh, fantasizing about the games we'd get to play, uh, I certainly committed a yeah. lot of maps to paper. Yeah, yeah. And, All right. And yeah, it was, so it was connection. Um, was, yeah. was I think a, a large part of it. I was a very very shy child, uh, and so it was a. Um, I think. The ability to create a world is also an ability to, is a little bit of a freedom in how you interact mm-hmm. with someone else, because it's not you. It's a little bit a little bit like acting. It is, yeah, very much so. And, and I think uh, especially like improv in a very safe <laughs> environment that you're 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 coached on what the rules of the game are the rules of the interactions uh and you also have this persona this consistent character that you you get to try on so yeah i think for a lot of well not even necessarily awkward uh players like you don't have to be a social no. misfit to get something out of that process it's still a a useful psychological exercise for anybody but but especially for kids or people who feel like they're a little out of place. The other thing about I remember about you when when we met was that you had probably again secondhand from your brother a collection of really intriguing fantasy mm-hmm. yeah. novels and some of them some of them crossed this was amazing to me at the time some of them crossed over with D and D 
because there was a section in Deities and Demigods with all of these characters that you told me were from these yes. Moorcock books. I had never read I had never read any of the Elric saga, and I don't think I ever have since. Um, but you explained right. uh, that it was based upon these books, and event, and then later played me Hawkwind, <laughs> um, which had a whole they had a whole album of Elric yes. music. So that might have been my first, certainly my first conscious uh, awareness of a, a cross genre or a cross um, yes. medium f- fiction. Like, a, you know, I mean, we have millions of them now, of course. We have Marvel comics that are Marvel movies that are Marvel video games. But in, in the mid 80s, uh, a game that was also books that was also music that was quite mind-blowing to me i think yeah um, yeah the the popular media certainly didn't have a very positive viewpoint on it like you did like some of the most early um uh like sort of tv things that that were dnd related were the um horribly done and horrible your kid's gonna go insane and kill someone morality uh shows uh-huh. that they showed in the early yeah. 80s yeah mazes yeah. and monsters yeah and your parents were quite christian or your mom was, uh fairly more more so um because the family was so therefore we were uh but i think at that point actually i, I think yeah. that there was there was still some real belief at that point um but uh-huh. uh uh-huh. no that was mostly I think that was mostly the 1980s version of social media driven. Right. Yeah, I mean the whole thing about D&D it was it was always kind of underground. Mm-hmm. Um and, and Yeah, I guess that's and the other thing. Mhm. Yeah, yeah, that that it was if it if it weren't for all those Christians frothing at the mouth, then I think D&D players would have uh, enjoyed uh, being associated with satanic oh, cults and stuff. It's it's actually a, a way to look kind of cool. Um, but you... Now, this is interesting because uh, I'm thinking mm-hmm. about the way we met. Uh, your father worked with my father at one point, and it must have been... my. I think my dad tells it a little differently, but my it must have been your dad uh, realizing that we both had they both had sons the same age and going, well, oh, my, my son is he's so weird. He, he's, he's only into stuff like the dungeons and the dragons. My father thinks that he responded with, oh, yeah, my kid plays D&D too. We should get them together sometime. And maybe he did. Uh, but if that were the case, <clears throat> he was wrong. Uh, because I, I, I mean, maybe I watched the Dungeons and Dragons Saturday morning cartoon <laughs> and I, I, you know, talked to him about that or something, but I had never seen any of the game books. I'd never played the game at that point. And, uh, so if, if I'm right that he was wrong, then he was, it was very lucky that mm-hmm. he was wrong, uh, or else we, we may yeah. not have met. I have possibly made up memories but it's been the same for so many years and it hasn't changed so that i'm not sure but i i feel like i was busy 
entertaining myself doing who knows what and all of a sudden i got the hey we're going we're going over to rick uh rick's place and i'm like what yeah. no no i i don't want to go i don't want to meet i don't want to <laughs> meet anyone rick? new um <laughs> Yeah, and yeah, I yeah. and I remember being so impressed that uh, the house had the, had the little circle in front of it. Ah, yes, we lived on a, a circle yes, with a fountain yes. in the middle. And then I was like, "Oh, well, this is interesting. I don't know what it means, but oh, it's fancy." fancy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, eventually, it meant that we could run around in that park and uh, maybe even in and out of the fountain and uh, carry mm -hmm. on our adventures. Yeah. But uh, but I was never a very athletic kid, and uh, given the opportunity to create worlds and stories while sitting at a table, uh, I jumped at the chance. Yeah, I, I think that for me the, the the biggest draw, certainly now and and even back then, was that it was a shared creation because I could create my own stories with the action figures. And I was even writing a little bit at that time. You know, I mean, not I didn't consider myself a writer, but uh, as early as 11 or 12, I was writing stories. Uh, but yeah, getting a chance to like tell a story with somebody else and telling part of a story that excited somebody enough to want to contribute to the story and then you get excited and you contribute... That was new, and and I think that really grew on me. I, I would agree. Uh, I particularly being away for anywhere between six months and a couple of years, and then coming back and having the mm -hmm. the, the really sort of in, intense gaming reunions. Uh, at one point, I came mm -hmm. back, and all of a sudden, there was this whole new thing called the Writer Tales, which is what you just which is what you just <laughs> described again. Um, it was a it. That's right. That was right. That's um, group created narrative. Exactly, and uh, although those collaborative stories started in a very organic way, uh, I was the one who kept them alive, mm -hmm. uh, as, as, as to the point where you know I have binders full of them now, um, because I really dug, I really got into that idea of everybody contributing to a story i'm not even sure why why it matters so much to me but it it's in evidence in mm -hmm. theater in the way that i approach yep. theater and it's certainly what D D or what rpgs are all about to me yeah and like even yeah. like when you came down and visited and my parents had the motorhome on the uh, in the driveway and so yeah so we didn't bother them we we <laughs> stayed out there and it was about story it was about shared storytelling um just the the, the yeah. entire yeah uh the entire modules the entire campaigns would barely have dice come out except early mm -hmm. in the evening it was it was all it was all mm -hmm. about creating a self um uh, self, no, it's not self-sufficient. That's not quite the, word, the, the correct word. Self, self, self contained, self rationalized, self, -contained. Uh, self um, a world mm -hmm. that self-realized, a fully realized. Perhaps that's a better way to put yeah. it. Um, a, a fully realized yeah. world that these characters could work in, and then just trying to find the trying to find the communication that would give mm -hmm. us the chance to know why decisions were being made. And how, and just like this, uh, 
like a, a mythos in its own in its own right of what the world is. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, fantasy uh, as a genre gets knocked about a lot. Um, it's it's reassuring to read something or play through something that has a clear morality that has, mm-hmm. you know, an alignment chart that you can fit uh, your world into. That's that's a form of control that we don't have in the real world mm-hmm. right there. And it's probably one of the reasons why teenagers enjoy D&D so much is because they're still figuring that stuff out for themselves. I mean, we can continue questioning our values and our morals throughout lifetimes, but... Uh, you know, that's that's when it becomes really important to figure out who am I in relation yeah. to everybody else, and you know how how am I going to act, how am I going to uh, behave. Um, so yeah, again, you get to try on. I'm going to play this lawful evil Alu demon and see what happens. <laughs> no, she'd be she chaotic be. evil. Yeah. Scratch that. Yeah, yeah, and and so yeah, it is experimenting. Which again, the Christian housewives will clutch their pearls, and anybody. Who wants to take a dry run at being evil? How yeah. how could you? But it's it's yeah, you know, it's like watching a horror movie. It's like watching wrestling. It's it's like stepping outside conventions and the social contract for a little while and trying a different yeah. story on. Like how does this make me feel? Yeah. Um, we usually come back. We come back to the lawful good or or somewhere in that area, right? Uh, and try to live as best we can, but it's nice to, to have a break uh, now and then, play something a little more chaotic. You also end up realizing a little bit more about why some, it, so long as you're getting involved enough in it, so long as the story is fleshed out enough that you end up having stakes in it, you also end up make when you make a decision as an alignment, as an alignment, uh, that you aren't, you mm-hmm. realize... I feel I don't feel comfortable with this decision. So it is a it is a little sure, bit that's... Um, self enlightening as well. Yeah. So you go, oh, yeah. No, I don't like that. Yeah, my character mm-hmm. would do that. That's fine. It fits the story, mm-hmm. but I don't like it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So when I told Sheila that I was creating some workshops uh, on mm-hmm. DMing, she, she said, "Well, you know, you got to talk about how people can." Uh, use it as therapy or how they can work through their issues or you know their the 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 social you know social challenges that they have and and i said well i i kind of feel uncomfortable with all of that just like talking about it or or expounding on it because i'm not a therapist i'm not right uh i i i understand and appreciate how rpgs can be used therapeutically i just don't want to take I don't want to claim that because I'm a really good DM that I'm also a, a great right, <laughs> you know. But it but it does rely on on DMs to some extent to be able to read their players' intentions and and provide them with challenges or choices that help them work out those issues. Um, maybe I'm deeper in the weeds than 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 you on this, but I see, I, um, I see the weeds you're in at least. Um, <laughs> yeah, I can't see the see weeds. The weeds. I think that there is there is definitely something to it. The question is, uh, yeah. how much should it be? Sell- and and I think maybe this is part of the question of what therapy in this way yeah. means is how how much of this should be self driven. For myself, all of the decisions, all of the the moral experimentation, the the I make this decision. 
how does it make me feel? All that stuff has been mm-hmm. self. All the decisions have been mine. You as the, you as the DM, particularly right. in the really narrative based uh, long ones we did in the summers, um, you were mm-hmm. you would react to that and you would help set that up and so on. But mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. but I don't think that you were. At best, it was a how do, how does it make you feel as opposed to this is what that means kind of therapy. Um, right. So yeah. it's it's said creating a creating a world where and this is obviously a very simplistic way to look at it, uh, but I think it might be a good start uh, is just sort of creating a situation, creating a world where someone and I've actually got a little side story on something that, that might be related to this that just came up um but creating a world where uh the where the player or the or the players feel the comfort the ability and the freedom to talk about it not talk about it um those being the two key elements on both sides to be able to free to be able to feel free to go no i'm not going down that road and not feel forced or dragged down that road by the narrative that the game master, the DM mm-hmm. is, is talking about, but to, mm-hmm. for the DM to be willing to see the road, see the weeds perhaps, but see the road that the, uh, uh that the player is trying, is trying to create for an interesting yeah. character. And, yeah, um, yeah, like it is certainly not the, um, like after, D&D 3, the whole, it's all about um, getting the the biggest sword and the best uh, magic weapon. And and I think that uh, Mm -hmm. some of the video games slanted what uh, what D&D was Mm -hmm. once they got to that point. Yeah, um, the the newest generation of players uh, has developed uh, terminology and even props to facilitate that. Uh, So they talk about lines and veils. If I'm a DM and I'm about Mm -hmm. to run a game, beforehand we have a conversation about what subjects or plot points or even genres are off limits. And each of the players can designate a certain line that they don't want the game to cross. Um, Mm -hmm. So, for example, I could say... Uh, a, a hard line is uh, cruelty to children. I don't want to play a game. I'm not comfortable playing a game where that's going on. Um, veils are a little more uh, open-ended. It's more like a yellow light instead of a red light. Uh, so, you know, gory violence, body horror, um, sexual horror you could say, well, that's kind of a veil area for me, which is a way of telling the DM and the other players, just go cautiously and check in, and, and we should be okay. And then finally, well, there's other stuff, but but they also have this X card, like a token, uh, that anybody can play, or it's a card on the table that anybody can tap at. And if you're talking, or the DM's talking, and somebody taps that X, it's their way of saying, without having to explain anything, that they're not comfortable with where this is headed or they're not comfortable with what's going on. So those are all for people to check in with each other and controls that people have for uh, gameplay that allow them, 
potentially to work through difficult subjects without really yeah. getting hurt or or else just having fun if they're there to be escapist yeah. and have fun it's about safe narrative it, it, it's right. about it not going too far unless as you say this is a veil or mm-hmm. you know what whatever it's just escapist we mm-hmm. don't care and we'll just we'll just so, so, sort of yeah. play and go and we're all on the same page of nothing none of this is real right Thanks for listening. Strawcast is produced by Slack and Slash Productions out of Cape Breton, Nova Scotia, also known as Unamagi, the unceded and ancestral territory of the Mi'kmaq people. It's based on The Curse of Strahd Revamped, published by Wizards of the Coast, as well as The Curse of Strahd Legendary Edition, published by Beetle and Grimms. But the participants are not affiliated with either company, and we do not seek to profit off this podcast. You can get in touch with us and find more of our podcasts at slackandslashpod.com. We're also on Facebook and Twitter. And you can subscribe to our podcasts on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon, Google Podcasts, you name it. Be sure to leave a review if you like what we do. Until next time, be brave and shine bright. Shine bright.